Man, for those of you who I don't know, my name is Zane. Um, I'm one of the student pastors here at, at Grace. And, um, dude, thank you so much for being here. We know that there's a lot of different things that you could be doing tonight. And the fact that you came here, uh, we're thankful for that. And we truly believe that tonight has the opportunity to be the best night of the week. And the reason why we say that is not because we think that it'll be more entertaining, not that we think it'll be more like fun in the typical sense that we think of it, but because we believe that community happens here. We believe that there's a group of people who come and who long to know more about Jesus, and we believe that he actually has something to do with our life here today. And uh, I think as we all would recognize that life isn't always easy, things don't always go as we hope, but the reality is there is an opportunity for us to engage with the God of the universe, and he is the one who has power to change our lives, our situations, not just to be like a help, but to truly be the one to even carry us through in those hard times. And so um, thanks for being here. If you have your Bibles, you could open them up. We're going to be in Acts chapter 17. If you don't have it, that's just fine. Uh, most of it will be up on the screen. And uh, so this is a passage that I've been going through a lot lately, and it's just one of those that, like, has kind of rocked my world a little bit, okay? And I want to start in Acts 17, verse 6, okay? So Acts 17, verse 6, it just says this, these are the ones who have turned the world upside down, now, what you need to know is a little bit about the context of what's happening at this point is the world was sort of in chaos. There was leaders that were more like tyrants. There was oppression. There was a lot of hardship. And then Jesus has come on the scene. Jesus basically interrupts the whole thing. He claims to be God and the only way to God. He then prophesies that he's going to die. He does die on a cross. Three days later, is raised to new life. And the people who were like his closest friends that he poured his life into, that he trained, that were like his followers, we call them disciples, they then are the ones who turn the world upside down. And as I was praying for you guys, and as I was thinking about next students, and I was thinking about the reality of what's happening in our world, you guys see the news, you guys watch social media, the reality of, of the confusion, wars, oppression, so much angst, and I wonder, what if there were a group of people who were to live in such a different way that they would flip the world upside down? And then I began to wonder, well, Jesus poured his life actually into 12 people. And those 12 people shared that message with others. And that small group, many uneducated not from wise or persuasive backgrounds, 
they were the ones who turned the world upside down. And that's what gets me fired up about next. Because I look at you guys and I think about a group that has the potential to turn the world upside down. Teenagers. And I love the reality of teenagers because I, I, I don't mean, maybe I'll just say it, but some of y'all are a little reckless. And you're kind of like, yeah, we are. <laughs> and some of you, like, maybe aren't already obeying some rules. <laughs> maybe some for bad reasons. But some are willing to push against the norms. And this is what some of Jesus' followers, not that they didn't sin and they didn't break the law, so to speak, but they were willing to push against the norms. And with that, turned the world upside down. And so if you're like, well, okay, Zane, this, I'm kind of inspired. Like, I want to know, what did they do? What if I want to be a person that wants to have an impact in this world? Like, I want to make a difference. Like, you know, reality check, a statistic I heard just recently, 10 out of 10 people die. I know. I went to school for that one. Public school. <laughs> Taught me a lot. But that made me think, it means I got one life to live. So what am I going to do with it? What are you going to do with your life? Will you live a life on purpose that matters? And could you, like, could you put that back up there again, Robert? Thanks. Acts 17.6. Could you be one who turns the world upside down? And maybe it would be almost better put right side up. So let's dive into this passage, and I want to look specifically starting Acts 17, um, verse 16. It's not on, oh yeah, it is on here. Um, and and I just want to dive into to a little bit what I believe created this movement. Acts 17, verse 16, it says, while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. And one of the things that I realized about this group of early followers of Jesus that caused in them to be such people that stood out in such a way that they turned the world upside down was that they had a broken heart for what breaks God's heart. You say, they weren't willing to just go with the status quo. The things that offended God offended them. They, broke, they didn't just look at their friends living in sin and just think, oh, well, that's their choice. It's their freedom. It broke their heart. And it's honestly, you guys, I don't know about you, but sometimes I could be so worried and consumed with my own life that I think my Christian life is all about me and it's just about me trying to get in line with Jesus and follow God's path, but I can miss the reality that, well, what about the others who might be living in lives of brokenness going through hardship 
Am I willing to allow my heart to be broken for the things that break God's heart? You know, because it's one thing for us to be like, okay, sweet, it's me and Jesus. You know, I'm growing in my relationship with him. I'm having my Bible study. I'm learning to be like him. I show up at next. I'm a part of a small group. But what about the other people around us? What about our friends? And, and I was having a conversation with one of my friends about that. And he's like, Suzanne, are you just like so concerned about people going to hell one day? And you just want to rescue him? I was like, no. I mean, yes, I'm concerned about that, but I'm not just concerned about the hell that many people will one day go to. I'm concerned about the hell that many people are walking through. And I, am, I know that because that was my story. Sixth grade, I started smoking. Seventh grade, I was drinking. By ninth grade, I was doing drugs. I didn't need... To, people to tell me about some end destination where life would be terrible. I was experiencing a reality that was terrible with no hope. And so I've now recently been like, God, I want to have my heart be broken for the things that broke your heart. And I think this is one of the, the catalysts, one of the beginning, the start, the platform, the springboard to be a person who's one who turns the world upside down is to have a heart that breaks for the things that breaks God's heart. And then, what do we do about it? Well, let's, let's keep reading what happens here in Acts 17. So it says that, that, that Paul's heart is broken, but look what he does. Let, let's skip down to um, Acts 17. I don't know if it's going to be on there. I'm gonna, I think 23 will be on there, but I want to start in 22. It says, Paul stood up in the meeting of Areopagus, and he says, Men of Athens, I see that in every way you're very religious. For as I walked around, I looked carefully at your objects of worship, and I even found one with this inscription on it, to an unknown God. Now what you worship as something unknown, I'm going to proclaim to you. So Paul walks into this place. He sees his heart's broken. These people do not know God. They do not know Jesus. They're, 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 they're living in a way that's totally apart from him. They're following false philosophies and ideologies. And Paul takes a stand. And it made me think of, so when I first moved here, uh, I moved here from Winter Park, Colorado, so snowboarding was my life, and uh, one of my favorite places to talk to people about Jesus was out on the, the slopes. Uh, specifically, I loved sharing Jesus with people on a chairlift, and the reason why is I was like, yo, I got a captive audience. Right? You're like 60 feet up in the air. I'm like, they got one of two choices. They can listen to me talk to them about Jesus, or they can jump. And they're going to meet him face to face. No. <laughs> uh, and so we would go out and like teams too, and we would go out and we would literally, we would snowboard and then we would talk to people about Jesus on the, on the chairlift. And, um, but then I was like, okay, I moved to Minnesota and it's like, everything's a tow rope. I'm like, all right, this is not going to work as I had planned. And so I was like, well, I don't know what it was like, you know, Minnesota culture. And I got introduced to hockey. 
And I was like, okay, like I could, I think I could get into this. So I showed up at the uh, one of the local community centers, and I was like, you know, I got some hockey gear, I had some ice skates, I had a hockey stick, and it was like, bring pads. And I was like, pads? So I brought my skateboard helmet and my mountain bike shin guards. I'm like, yo, I'm here to play hockey, you know? And these dudes were fully decked out, and they were like, literally, a full-on brawl broke out at the community center over pickup hockey. And I was like, yo, this is real, you know? You want to go find, like, the sinners to tell about Jesus? Go to the hockey rink. <laughs> and so I... Uh, I then was like, I'm joining a team. I got really into this, and um, I, there was two different types of like leagues that I had found. One was FCA, so Fellowship of Christian Athletes, and I was like, oh yeah, that's rad. But I honestly felt like, yo, I'm a pastor. I travel and preach. I don't mean to say this bad, but like, I'm around Christians a lot, a lot, a lot. And I was like, I need to be around some people. So I joined this other league. I since had got pads, and like, I'm like, okay, I'm figuring it out. On my way there, I was like, okay, do I be the guy who from the beginning lets them all know that I'm a pastor? Like, is my, my heart's broken for people who don't know Jesus. So do, is that like how I start? Like, what would you do, right? You're going to enter into this new team. Do you like, hey, I just want everybody to know, like, I'm a preacher. And I'm like, I'm willing to, God. Then they'll know right off the bat. Then there's no questions, and we know where to go for that. Or do I go the route of, like, I'm going to befriend them, and little by little, over the course of the season, I'll get to know them, build a relationship, and maybe I can kind of share in conversations one by one. Right? And, and do, you guys, do you guys ever get in these, these conversations with yourself and with God, and you're like, what do I do? You know, like, okay, Lord, you know, knock on my heart if I'm supposed to go option one. You know, how do you handle So I'm like, okay, Lord, I don't know if this is right or wrong, but I was like, I, I don't know which one you're leading to me. How about this? If they ask me the first night what I do, I'll tell them I'm a pastor. If no one asks me what I do, I'll go the route of building relationships and take the long view, right? So, um... I didn't, I didn't do really good on the team. You know, I just kind of like, okay. Uh, I did score one goal that season for the opposite team. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, y'all, I'm probably not getting any callbacks from the coach on this one, you know. Anyways, uh, so the first night, though, I'm waiting. Here's my big thing. Like, are they going to ask me what I do? Um, we get back into the locker room. I didn't know. It wasn't just this community league. It was literally formally called Beer League Hockey. And these guys break out a cooler and they like crank the music. And it's like midnight when we get done. And they're like accountants, you know? And they like took off their suit and tie to play hockey. And they are just like getting after it. And I'm like, what is going on right now in front of me? And they're like, yeah, you know, one of the guys sits right next to me, slams this beer, and goes, Zane, you did pretty good out there. What do you do when you don't play beer league hockey? And I was like, mm. and I'm like, well, that's what I asked for. So I go, I'm a pastor. Yo, it was like the music came to a screeching halt. You could hear the words echo off the cement walls. He was like, pastor, pastor, pastor. 
okay, I'm just quoting him. He, it literally, everybody went, and looked at me, and the homie right next to me, he, I'm just quoting him, he goes, Jesus Christ. To which I go, yep, that's the guy. I don't, I'd walk out too after that. He's like, I'm out. He's like, dude, that's the same guy? Is he, is he always, I'm out of here. <laughs> oh, do you ever have those moments where like words get back in my mouth, right? Am I the only one? I'm the only one. Okay. <laughs> so, and he literally is like, oh, and he like turns his back, literally. They crank up the music and no one talks to me. And then I was sitting there in a locker room full of dudes, but yet all alone. And I was like, man, Lord, I signed up for this team to like be a witness. Like the reason why I picked this community league was because I wanted to tell people about Jesus and I, I blew it. And now nobody wants to talk to me. And afterwards they like all go out to the parking lot and they continue to hang out and the party and whatever. And I was like, maybe I'll, I'll just go out and hang out, I guess, and sat in one of the lawn chairs, and I just sat there. No one talked to me. And then a guy from one of the other, because all the teams go out there, and a guy from one of the other teams, no lie, you can't make this stuff up, comes walking across the parking lot holding a six-pack, and on it is a picture of this dude dressed in all leather, shredding a guitar, and it's Jesus as an 80s rocker, and he goes, hey guys, check this out. It's called, literally, Jesus Christ Rock Superstar. And he goes, Jesus Christ Rock Superstar. Anybody wanna try one? And everybody on my team is like, what's pastor gonna say now, right? And everybody looked at me, and it was in that moment, and I don't know if this was what was right or whatever, I was like, well, if I was going to have one, that'd be the one. And my team was like, what? Ah! And they just started laughing. And, and after that, all of a sudden, the walls broke down, and we started a relationship. Now, here's the deal. My guess is all of us have been in situations, whether it be on a sports team, whether it be at a lunch table, whether it be hanging out with some friends at a movie, over at another friend's house, and you're stuck with the decision of how do I represent Jesus in this place? I'm not saying I did it perfect, but my heart was for them, and my heart was for the gospel. And that's what I want us to step out into. And I wish you, I wish I could give you the checklist. Like, okay, just do this, 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 and this, and it'll always go well. From my experience, it doesn't always. But you know what I began to see on that, that team? As, and, and this is, if, if you're taking notes, here's kind of the big main idea. What does it look like to go from gospel presentations to gospel relations? where we're not just trying to proclaim something, 
We're trying to relate with someone. We don't just go with this rehearsed, here's what I'm going to say to every single person, but we go to get to know the person for the heart to share with the person. Does that make sense? And, and I believe out of this passage, we're going to go through a couple more verses, I believe it lays out three real simple steps that each of us could apply in our relationships that will help you to move from presentation to conversation. To move from, I got to be the one who has all the answers and I'm going to be the one to tell them that they're wrong, to be the one to get to know people, to build relationships and earn trust that you might share the life-changing message of the gospel. And maybe you too would be one who maybe doesn't turn the world upside down, but who turns the world upside down for that one person. So let's look at what Paul does. First, 17 verse 23, we just read it. Paul says, for I walked around and I looked carefully at your objects of worship. I even found an altar with this inscription to an unknown God. Now what you worship as something unknown, I'm going to proclaim to you. If you hear what Paul does, he essentially learns about what they value. What I've labeled this as ask. Paul is asking questions of what they believe. What if our desire to share the gospel started with learning things about others? That rather than us going in with, I'm the one who's got something to say, we go in and we say, actually, I've got something to learn. Have you ever heard the quote, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care? I'll say that again. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And I think when we ask questions of people, when we're genuine, when we want to know about them, it opens up their life and they say, you really value me. This, for me, let me just get real practical. And this is like, I'm exposing myself to show you how broken and, and, and self-centered sometimes I am. Sometimes I'll walk into a room and I wonder, do people notice me? You walk in and you think, oh, you know, do, 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 they, do they see me here? And I'm trying to shift my perspective when I walk into a room now, rather than say, do people notice me, to say, who can I notice? And, and it's beginning to take it off of me and to look towards others. And so Paul did it in a way when it says he walked around and he looked carefully at their objects of worship. Basically, that area was Areopagus. There was all these false idols. So it was like statues and all these tributes to all these false gods. And the, it says in uh, verse 22 that the people just stood around and they talked about all these different philosophies. And Paul goes and he learns about what they value. He spends time getting to know their culture before he gets up to his presentation. So maybe practically for you, this could look like asking your friends questions, getting to know them, what they value, 
what they love, what they like, what brings them joy, what brings them pain. What are the things that they value? Maybe even what they believe. Asking them about their faith. Maybe you're like, well, they're not a Christian. Well, maybe, maybe they're spiritual. Maybe they just have some idea of where God came from. Maybe they don't believe in God at all. Ask them why and get to know. And then, let's, look, let's keep going, uh, Acts 17.22. From there, we admire. It says, Acts 17.22, it says, Paul stood up in the meeting of Areopagus, and he said, Men of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. Okay, pause here for a second. Let's leave this one up here for a second. He sees all these, like, statues to false gods they're worshiping idols, and Paul walks in, rat, and goes, hey, I see that you guys got all these false gods and all these statues and these idols. You guys are really religious. This is like a little bit low-key of a compliment. I'm like, wait, what? Why didn't Paul walk in and be like, yo, you guys are worshiping false gods and idols and statues? You're going to hell. He walked in and he was like, man, I, I've, been, I've been checking out all this stuff. Like, you guys are really dedicated to trying to find out who God is. For them to, to be religious, I was like, oh, well, thanks for noticing. Let me show you how this has worked out for me. Um, I have a friend who, uh, in, 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 in talking with her, uh, she literally believed that God was a, a woman baking cookies in the kitchen. She derived her theory from the Matrix, the Oracle. I don't know if you guys like old movie. You know what I'm talking about? Some of you may have heard it. Like this, she's like this character that just bakes cookies and gives you wisdom and let, like that's it. And I was like, when she first told me that, I was like, yo, you're going to hell. No, I did not. I was like, tell me more. And, and the more I got, I continued to ask questions, and then I admired. And, and let me tell you how the conversation continued to go. She told me the reason why she did not believe in the God that I believed in was because she actually grew up in a church. She felt judged in that church. And so she said, my God would never send people to hell. I was like, okay, well, do I argue about this, the reality of hell? I continued to ask questions. I said, why do, do you not believe that a God would send people to hell? She says, because my God is a God of love. Okay, pause. There were a lot of things that I could debate. I hope you hear me in this. I'm not saying that there's never a time to debate. I just want to move from debate to relate. Does that make sense? I want to build bridges, not barriers. Now, please do not misunderstand me. I'm not saying that there's never a place for truth or that we never tell a person when they're wrong. That's not the case. I just haven't seen a lot of people argued into the kingdom of God. I've seen them loved into the kingdom of God. So this friend, I'll just keep on with the story. She was like, I don't believe God could send people to hell. Rather than getting stuck on that piece, why? 
because he's a love because my God is a loving God. Okay, why do you think that? She began to tell me her story. One day she was locked in the bathroom at her youth group, felt so judged by the other kids that she was like, my God would never be a part of this. And she made up her own theory of who God was. And so I admired that one piece. I too don't think that is God. People who are judgmental and, and who locked you in a bathroom and, and, and told you just all the wrong things about you. I don't think that's God either. I actually believe that God is a God of love. You do? Yep, in the Bible. First John says, God is love. What? Yep, most popular verse in the Bible, John 3.16. For God so loved only the Christians. Wait, did I get something wrong in that? For God so loved the world, right? And so she was like, wait, that's what the Bible says? Yes. So I asked her questions. I admired something about her. Hey, I see that you, like, you really identify with this fact that God is love. I do too, and I think that's how the Bible paints the picture of who God is. Let's talk about that. For another example, one of my friends, a Muslim. We're talking. We have a lot of things in common. He believes that God's creator. He believes that God's holy. We have lots of things that we can relate with. Now, there's a lot of things that we have differences. He actually believes that Jesus was a real person, a prophet, but he just doesn't believe that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus is God, right? So we continue to talk. I ask more questions. I'm like, bro, how do you know you're saved? He's like, man, I, we live by the five pillars of Islam. And he goes through the list, you know, the month of Ramadan where you fast for an entire month, giving alms to the poor. I take, you know, pilgrimage to the east. We pray towards Mecca, right? Goes through these things. I'm like, wow, dude, that's a lot of things that you have to do to make sure that Allah will one day approve of you. I'm, I'm, I'm just getting to know him. I'm like, let me, let me ask something. And he's like, yeah. I'm like, how do you know that you're ever good enough to earn approval unto Allah? And he was like, well, we don't. I'm like, man, are there better Muslims than you? He was like, well, yeah. You should see some of like the, the people in my community. The, they are so dedicated to Allah. I'm like, bro, I agree. I asked, I admired. I agree that God is holy. And I see that you live so dedicated. And honestly, Jasser, I, I'm challenged by that. I admire the fact that you are so dedicated to your God. And can I just be real with you? Sometimes why I believe that, I believe God's holy. And sometimes I'm lazy. I'm the one who's like, yeah, I'm going to get up at 6 in the morning and I'm going to read my Bible. And say my, you know, I'm like, snooze button, sleepy time with the Savior. <laughs> Pastor Pillow at the Bedside Baptist, right? Like, I'm going to be the one who's like, oh. And so I see that no matter how good I could be, it's never good enough. And I looked at him. Do you ever feel like your good's not good enough? He's like, bro. I moved from ask, I moved to admire, and then the next point, I moved to admit. Admit. This is where we go, not just from saying, okay, here's now why you need Jesus, but to say, can I just share why I need Jesus? So my friend Josser, the Muslim, I'm like, bro, here's the reality. 
I'm never going to be good enough no matter how hard I try. If you look in the passage, Acts 17, 24 through 34, I don't have enough time to go through the whole thing right now, but Paul tells part of his story and then he tells the gospel story. So when we admit, we admit our, our story and we admit the gospel story. So I told, I told you, I'm like, bro, no matter how hard I try, if God is holy and he's one who believes, I mean, he lives out that God's holy. He like really respects that. I'm like, is any of our efforts ever good enough for a holy God? I'm like, bro, that's why I need Jesus because I could never be good enough. That's why Jesus came to live in my place as God, never sinning. He lived the life that I never could. He's the only one who is faithful. I, I do fail, but he is faithful. I needed not someone just to help me along. I needed someone to live in my place, to die in my place, take the penalty for all my sin, my past sin, my present sin, my future sin. He died on the cross. Jesus paid my penalty, and then Jesus raised to new life, proving that he is who he says he is, that he had victory over sin, Satan, and death. And that's why I believe in Jesus. Because I realize I could never get to God on my own. I needed God to get to me. And thanks be to Jesus, that's just what he did. And you know what, here we are moving into Christmas. What a perfect way to begin to have these conversations about the difference of religion, people working, earning, trying to get to God versus relationship, Christianity, Jesus coming on our behalf, working to get to us. And, and I remember having that conversation with my friend who's a Muslim and he was like, you could see the gears turning and being like, man, that's what I need. A friend who believed that God was uh, this woman baking cookies in the kitchen. Do you know what I found out the more I continued to ask the questions? Is her, her real hang-up wasn't with, with this idea that, that God would send people to hell. Her real thing wasn't that she actually like really trusted in this God who's baking cookies in the kitchen. Really? She was just super hurt and wounded and wondered, could there be a God who actually loved her? And appointed back to Jesus. And I wonder, if I would have got stuck in the arguments, would I have ever gotten to the heart? And I think, as I look back, and, 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 and it was, you know, Acts 17, 16, while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, his heart was broken. He was greatly distressed. And I think if our friends know that we genuinely care about them, they'll overlook if we don't say it perfectly or maybe we come off a little bit offensively because they know that we actually care, that we actually care about them and that we actually really truly believe Jesus is the only hope. And these are the people who turn the world upside down. And you know what's rad about it? It comes through 
asking people questions, admiring things about them and what they believe and, and, and the, the, the perspectives they have, and then admitting why we need Jesus. I don't know about you, but when you hear that, you're like, I think I could do that. I may not be able to like faithfully explain the entire Bible from Genesis to Revelation, Revelation and know the entire plan of God's salvation, but I could tell people why I need Jesus. I could ask them questions. I could encourage them. What if all of us this Christmas season, whether it be at your sports team, at the lunch table, hanging out with your friends, families as you get together, we look to ask, admire, admit. Acts 17.6, might we be the ones who turn the world upside down? And it happens in the small, seemingly sometimes insignificant, but sometimes life-changing conversations. Um, you know, it's kind of cool is on that hockey team, clearly I wasn't very good. <laughs> and at the end of the season, the coach was like, hey Zane, uh, can you stay by afterwards? I was like, oh goodness. And everybody left afterwards, and he was like, hey, man, um, my wife and I just wanted to take you and your wife out for dinner. And um, he was like, I was like, oh, yeah, bro, it, like, let's do any time. And, I was, and he was like, you know, I just, um, I, I wanted to talk to you. I was like, about my hockey skills? He's like, no, not exactly. <laughs> and he's like, but I, uh, I really want to know more about the Jesus that you talked about. And I think it was because he no longer felt judged he no longer felt like I was putting him down or that I was elevating myself as the one who didn't do all the same things, although I didn't do all the same things that they did. But I also recognized, like, man, I don't have it all together. I just want to show you the one who does have it all together and the one whom we can trust in. So, Father God, um, maybe even right now, uh, we would be open, Lord, to say, is there specific people? Is there specific opportunities? Um, that we could look to have gospel conversations. And with heads bowed and eyes closed and no one, you know, looking around, hopefully not disturbing the people next to you, maybe I just want to give you a moment. Um, the band's going to uh, maybe play a little music in the background and just to give you like, uh, I don't know, 30 seconds you heard me talk long enough. Um, is there... Is there someone in your life that you could ask some questions to? That you could admire? Maybe like, what do I admire about what they believe? You can admire who they are. And that you could admit why you need Jesus. Maybe it's a friend, maybe it's a family member, maybe it's a co-worker, maybe it's a teammate. Just ask God, is there a name? And maybe he's going to put a name on your heart. Begin to pray for that person. Begin to pray for an opportunity. Again, I'm not saying that you're going to be the one to save someone. You're just going to start a conversation and watch God do the work. take a step. Maybe your step is to text them and say, hey, could you meet for coffee? Maybe your 
step is to write their name in the front of your Bible, your journal, and, and just begin to pray for them. Maybe it's to set a reminder on your phone to pray for them every day at a certain time. Mine goes off at 10.10 every day. John 10.10. Jesus says, thief seeks to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come to you may have life and life to the fullest. So at 10.10, I pray for friends and people that don't know Jesus that they would come to experience that life. Maybe it's like after this, you're like, yo, I need to call somebody. Maybe tomorrow at school, you're like, yo, I need to, like, face-to-face. I've been a terrible representative. I've gone around judging people, telling them why they're sinners, telling them why they're wrong, telling them why they're going to hell. <laughs> Man, maybe I need to start a relationship, get to know someone, ask some questions. So, Father God, uh, we thank you for... Christmas and the reality that uh, you sent your son to live in our place, to die on our behalf, and then to be raised to new life. That now we, empowered through your spirit, may be the ones to turn the world upside down or right side up. Thank you so much. In Jesus' name, amen.